All right. So one of the, you know, one of the primary questions that every person is asking, continually asking, is this question of, of purpose. Why am I here? What is, what is the purpose of my life? I mean, everyone, everyone is trying to answer that question. I, I saw, um, recently saw there was a documentary put together by Richard Dawkins, um, not Richard Dawson from Family Feud. Okay, Richard Dawkins, um, who is a famous atheist, prolific atheist, um, and he, in this three-part documentary, he dedicated one entire episode um, as an atheist, to this question, what is the meaning of life? And in this episode, he acknowledged the fact that when people first become atheists, they can often go through times of great, almost suicidal despair. Because if there is nothing beyond what they can see and touch in this world, and death is the end of all of us, then what is the point? What is the point of it all? Um, now, where Dawkins ultimately lands is that a person has to find their own meaning. That's what he, the conclusion he comes to. is just people, you just have to find your own meaning. People are, are free to make life mean whatever they want it to mean. Um, and it's sort of like an abstract piece of art, you know, where, where an artist randomly splatters colors on a canvas, and then each person comes to look at that, and they just kind of figure out whatever it says to them. Now, that's one way to approach this question of, meaning, finding meaning in life, sort of a self-determining approach. You make your own meaning. But there's another way to approach this question, and that is by including God in the question, God in the equation. So you see, when, when God is in the equation, rather than trying to find meaning um, from randomly splattered colors on a canvas, we, we have an artist. We have an artist who is intentionally painting something with meaning, and we are a part of that painting. We actually become participants in the story and the purpose that God has for us. Now, you may think that sounds too good to be true, but this is actually how the Bible talks about our purpose. This is exactly how the Bible talks about our purpose. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, feel free to turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. Now, last week, we started a new teaching series entitled Core, where we're doing a, a, doing a deep dive into the book of Ephesians chapters 1 and 2. And, and what these two chapters reveal to us is how we can strengthen our spiritual core. Um, when someone's spiritual core is strong, they're able to endure difficulties and failures and, and frustrating circumstances without being derailed. And so what, what we're discovering in this series is that the key to having a strong core is knowing who we are in Christ, embracing our true identity. So last week, we looked at the first few verses of chapter one, and we discovered that in Christ, we are the beloved children of God, and we are destined for wholeness. Those, are, those things are our core identity. Well, today, we're going to jump ahead a little bit. We'll come back to chapter one. We're going to jump ahead a little bit, and we're going to look at another aspect, another passage that describes a crucial part of our identity, of who we are in Christ. And this particular aspect of our identity has to do, again, with the question I mentioned a moment ago, this issue of purpose. So let me begin by reading in verse 8 of chapter 2. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Okay, so let's stop here for just a moment because this is such an important description 
of how salvation works. I know that word salvation is kind of a churchy word and and all that stuff, but it's a really, really important word. The word salvation simply refers to how we can enter into a relationship with God by having our sins forgiven. So Paul explains here that having a relationship with God is not about anything we do. See, no one is saved by going to church or by donating money to charity or by being a good mom or by helping people through volunteering or whatever. None of that saves us. If it did, if our salvation was somehow, you know, it could be, you know, achieved by those things, then our salvation would actually depend upon us. It would depend upon what we do. And then we could boast and we could take pride. Look at me, look at what a good person I am and all that stuff. But Paul says, no, our salvation is not by works. It's not something we can earn or something that we deserve. Rather, it is a gift. You don't work for a gift, right? A gift that we receive. How? Through faith, by placing our trust in Jesus' work on the cross. When we place our trust in Jesus, our sins are forgiven, and we enter into a relationship with God forever. I mean, this this is gospel 101. This is gospel 101. This is the essence of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. But here's the problem. Often, people who have been saved think that this is the end game. They think this is the end game. They think that our, that our ultimate purpose in life is salvation, having a relationship with God so that we can go to heaven. But that is not the end game. That is not the end game. That is not your purpose. God has so much more for you than that, which is why Paul's sentence doesn't end at verse 9, even though typically people, when they're quoting this verse, they end at verse 9, but his sentence doesn't end at verse 9. It doesn't stop there. Look with me at the very next verse, verse 10. In fact, read this out loud with me. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, notice all that previous discussion about salvation in verses eight and nine, all of that leads us into this statement. For, for, because of these things, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You see, we are not simply We are not simply saved from our sin and from judgment. We are saved for something. We are saved for something. We are saved for a purpose. God has created you for a purpose. I love the language that Paul uses here. He says, we are God's handiwork, or another translation says, we are God's workmanship. This word refers to the fact that we are a product of God's hands, of his intentional creative purpose. There is an artistry in the word. In fact, one um, resource I looked at said that this word can, can refer to fabric. See, this, this word is describing how God, God as a, is a craftsman. He is an artist who handmade you and me. He handmade us. Now, I've never been good at at, at building things or making things. Uh, but my wife um, is amazing at this stuff. And so she recently um, put together a, a baby gift for my niece who um, is having, uh, um, uh, is due in a few months. And, and Raylene had, had prayed for this child 
And she'd gotten a word from God for this child. And then she put together this wall hanging with these words on it. I mean, it is so cool. Now, had I been entrusted the job of getting my niece a baby gift, I would have spent about 10 minutes in Target. Um, and that would have been that. Um, but, but Raylene's gift... My name goes on it as well, but we all know who did the work. Uh, Raylene's gift, her, her gift is the product of her own hands and her own heart, her own labor of love. It is her handiwork. And I know, I wish I could be there because she lives in another state, but I know when my niece receives this in the mail, it will feel priceless and precious because it was uniquely crafted and put together for her baby boy. You are God's handiwork. You are God's handiwork. He fashioned you and made you as a labor of love. He didn't, you know, swing by Walmart, you know, for a quick errand as an afterthought or whatever. No, like a, like a fine craftsman, like a skilled artist, he made you just the way you are. He made you. He likes your personality, even if you don't. He, he likes the skills you have. He likes the way that you think and the way you process information and the way you experience, the experiences you have and the knowledge that you bring. He likes the way you look, even if you don't. He loves the heart that he put in you. God has shaped you. You are his handiwork. Now, I want to stop here for just a moment and ask this question. Have you ever thanked God for making you you? Have you ever thanked God just for making you you? Have you thanked him for your body? Have you thanked him for your personality? Have you thanked him for the things that you are good at? See, so many of us live under this cloud of shame regarding our body, our personality, comparing ourselves and focusing on what we don't like about ourselves and, and, you know, and, and, and what we can't do and all those things, what we don't have. And when we do that, we're despising God's creation. We have despised God's creation. It is well past time to reverse this trajectory, seriously, and to honor ourselves as God's handiwork, to honor ourselves as God's handiwork. So the other day, I watched this show on Netflix called Tidying Up, where this adorable Japanese woman uh, goes into these messy homes um, and she helps people tidy up. Um, and honestly, this is not the kind of show that I would typically watch, but someone had mentioned, had recommended this to me. So I watched the first episode and what immediately, immediately struck me was how this woman, she didn't bring any shame with her. She didn't shame, she doesn't shame people for having a messy home, for having clutter. She doesn't shame people. She brings gratitude. So when coaching someone, she coaches people how to get rid of things. So when she's coaching someone how to get rid of a shirt that, they, that no longer brings them joy, she, she has them thank this shirt for having been a part of their lives. I know, it's weird. And then, <laughs> but when you see it, it's like, well, I'll get there. But just, so there's like, this is kind of weird, and they're thanking the shirt and all this stuff. Um, so at one point in the episode, she asked this family to, to come into their family room and have a few moments of quiet just to be grateful 
for the house that they live in. And they, they were sitting on the couch and she asked them to close their eyes, which they did. And she was, she was standing in the middle of this room and, and, and then she gently went to her knees and she placed her hands in her lap. She closed her eyes and, and with this smile on her face, she stayed there for, like, for a few moments. And it was almost like she was communing with the house itself, you know, silently thanking it. I started to tear up, okay, seriously. And the people in the family room, this, this couple, they started to, to tear up um, because they started to think about what this home, this house had provided for them. I mean, so often we focus on what's wrong with our house, what's wrong with our apartment, what we don't have, and we forget about what a blessing it is, the shelter and the warmth that it has provided and the laughter and the joy that happens here. And we do the same thing with our bodies. We do the same thing with our personality, with our abilities. We focus only on what's wrong, what we don't have, what we don't like. And so I want to stop. I want to stop for just a moment here. And I want to invite you to do something that I'm guessing many of us here have never done. You don't have to do this. Okay, you don't have to do this. But if you're willing, I think it will be powerful. So let's just take a moment of quiet. And I want you to close your eyes. We're not done with the message here, but I just want to stop and do this. I want you to close your eyes. And in the silence of your heart, I invite you to thank God for your physical body and for your personality and for your abilities. Thank him specifically for those things. God, we thank you. We, we ask you to forgive us for despising your creation, your handiwork, and the words we've spoken over our lives and our bodies and our personalities. And we thank you for making us the way you have. We celebrate your handiwork. Thank you for fashioning each one of us. Thank you, God. Amen. You are God's handiwork. You are his handiwork, his craftsmanship. But there's more here. There, there is a purpose to our being God's handiwork. Look again at verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Okay, so what does this phrase, good works, mean? The word good is pretty obvious. It means beneficial, helpful, you know, profitable, useful. But what about this word work? I mean, so often we have a, an in, in, instinctive kind of negative perception of this word. You know, work is what we have to endure in order to get a paycheck so we can really live on the weekends or when we retire or whatever, right? I mean, w w work is, is just that, that kind of thing we have to endure you know, in order to really live, you know, you know, it's this kind of necessary evil that allows us to have the opportunity to really live when we're not at work. And I, I totally believe God wants to completely blow up in a good way, 
our definition of this word. See, God wants to redeem this word work in our lives. In, in Genesis 2, before sin ever entered the picture, follow me here, Genesis 2, before sin entered the picture, this word work is actually used twice. <laughs> it's used twice. First time it's used is in Genesis 2, verse 2. And this is what it says. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. Okay, so what work is this talking about? The amazing work of creation, where God spoke into being this incredible world, the animals, the trees, the stars, all of that. So then, so it's referred to what God does. And then a few verses later, we read, this is still before the fall, God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. Think about this. This is paradise. This is before the fall. This is before sin entered the picture. And God gives his handiwork, Adam, he gives him work to do. He gives him labor, cultivating a garden. <clears throat> so already within the first few pages of the Bible, we begin to get this idea that work is not a curse. Work is not a curse. Work is actually a way to partner with what God is doing. He has fashioned us for a purpose, to continue the creative, redemptive, good work that God began in creation. Now, this work, this work can certainly include, it, it can involve what, what might be described as labor, so building and landscaping and homemaking and, and teaching and nursing and technology and marketing and sales and retail and food service and law and cleaning, all of that, et cetera, et cetera. It can include all that. But, but it, it actually can mean more than that. So Jesus uses this same word, work, to describe his ministry activity. Check out, he does this many places, but check out one example there, John 14, verse 12. Very truly, I, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. See, for Jesus, work <clears throat> referred to the activity of partnering with God to bring good into this world through healing, through helping people, listening to people, teaching people. Now, like I said a moment ago, God wants to blow up our understanding of this word work. It is so much more than simply a way to get a paycheck so that you can enjoy life, right? From God's perspective, work is the joyful opportunity we have to partner with him in seeing his character and his purposes happen on earth. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to do good works. In other words, every one of you, every one of us here has been uniquely fashioned by God to do good works, to bring his goodness and life into whatever context we find ourselves in. Are you retired? Are you retired? If so, you are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. This isn't about getting a paycheck. And this calling doesn't end when you hit 65. You are God's handiwork. This whole calling here, if you're retired, it is about partnering with God to do good wherever you are. Are you a student in high school or college? You are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works now, in this season, wherever he has placed you, on your dorm floor, in your classes, at your 20-hour-a-week job, wherever. 
Are you unemployed? You are God's handiwork, created to partner with God to bring good to those around you. Are you a stay-at-home dad or mom? You are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to partner with God in bringing his goodness and life into your children, into your family. I'm sure there are times it doesn't feel like it, right? That it matters, changing diapers and picking up toys, you know? But it doesn't feel like this has anything to do with God. But, but, But what if you looked at this stage of life, this place where God has you right now, what if you looked at that as being part of his purposes for you to express his heartbeat to your family? You are raising a human being. You are the most important influence in their life. Their understanding of everything in the world is being shaped by the fact that you are there with them. Whether you're retired or a student or a homemaker, God wants you to see your situation through the lens of Ephesians 2.10. You are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Now, this also would include those of us who have jobs in the workforce. Now, the question is, does your job, does your job, you spend a lot of time at that, most of us, right? So does your job have anything to do with God's purpose for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. You may be in a job you hate, You may be in a job that feels insignificant in the grand scheme of things. You may feel like a cog in a very large organizational wheel making phone calls to sell a product you don't really care that much about or being an assistant to someone you don't really like, doing things that in the grand scheme of things don't really matter that much. Or you may be in a career that you enjoy, but honestly, it doesn't feel like it's very spiritual. So you feel like what you do doesn't matter that much to God. You know, it's certainly not as spiritually significant as a full-time ministry vocation, you know, a church or parachurch or whatever. See, we may think that, but here's what God wants all of us to know. No matter what you do for a living, no matter where you work, you are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to partner with God in bringing his goodness and life into whatever situation you find yourselves in. Whatever situation you find yourself in, whether you work or whether you like your work or not, doesn't matter. Whether you see yourself doing this for the next 30 years or maybe the next six months, wherever God has placed you right now, he has a purpose for you to do good and to care for people, to work with excellence and integrity, to to care for and serve the people around you, whether you're in management or you're at the lowest level of an organization. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Your job is ministry. Your job is ministry. You know, I have grown to hate that phrase full-time ministry, you know, when we're talking about you have to be a pastor, you have to, you know, whatever, in church work to be in full-time ministry. That is a, yeah, you know, that's just, it's a crock of whatever, you know. Here's the deal. All of us are in full-time ministry. All of us are in full-time ministry. It's not, oh, when I'm at the church, I'm doing ministry, but then in my job, I'm doing my job. We're all in full-time ministry. If we take seriously, seriously these words 
in Ephesians 2.10, which it doesn't seem to be anyone's excluded here. Anyone in Christ, no one in Christ is excluded. You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Our purpose, wherever we are, whether we're enjoying our job or not, wherever we are, our purpose is to do good and to care for people. So a friend of mine is, is going through, uh, just a, he, he's trying to get out of debt, trying to pay down some debt, pay off some debt. And so he has taken an additional job um, in addition to his, his regular kind of day job. He took a job at a, at a fast food restaurant. <clears throat> Even though this is not what he wanted to be doing at this time in his life, he went into this just looking for it as a way to make some money and then to encourage the people that he works alongside. So about a week into the job, he was just kind of found himself in the back room. He's just wondering, what am I doing? What am I doing here? And right then, the owner came up to him and said, how would you like to be a manager? This is just like after a week of being there. I have seen how you work with people. I have seen how you encourage the people around you. And I would love to elevate you to this position of greater influence. See, he is God's handiwork. He is God's handiwork. Even in a job he doesn't want long-term, he's God's handiwork. He is partnering with God to bring the presence of Jesus' love into an environment where Jesus' name is only referenced as a swear word. I was talking with someone else in our church who uh, just a, a few months ago, they own and manage a convenience store, um, which I, I think would be a, pr a pretty tough job. So I was talking with him about it and he began to talk about the 200 or so people, but he thought it was about 200 people that regularly come in to that store and he knows them by name. He knows their situations. He knows their families and what's going on in their lives. I mean, his face lit up as he was talking about his people. These people he's able to connect with and love on. See, that's partnering with God to bring his loving, caring presence and goodness into these people's lives. By the way, if, if, if you're interested in hearing more about how you can see your job from a kingdom perspective. We are hosting a one-day event this Friday at Zoe's. It's called Work as Worships. From 8.30 to 2.30, there's more information in your newsletter. It's only 30 bucks. That includes lunch. Some of the speakers include Francis Chan, um, the, I think the CEO of Hobby Lobby. There are several other speakers, some amazing people. You will be inspired and equipped to think creatively about your work, no matter what your line of work. You, you can, you'll be inspired to think creatively about that and how, how you can be in a greater partnership with God, seeing your work as worship, seeing your work as ministry. So if you're interested in that, check that out. Information's in the newsletter. See, God wants all of us, all of us, retirees, stay-at-home parents, students, people in the workplace, those who are unemployed, God wants all of us to see ourselves as his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to partner with him in doing good and caring for people wherever he has placed us in this season. Being in a horrible job is not an excuse to not partner with God. It's just not. And yeah, baby, God will move you on and all that stuff. I'm not saying you have to stay in it forever, but where you are right now, God wants to use you. God wants to partner, you to partner with him in doing good. 
So how do we grow in this? How do we grow in this? How do we go about doing this in greater ways? Well, right at the end of this verse, Paul gives such a powerful insight and he helps answer this question. So look again at this passage. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We've looked at all that. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has already prepared in advance these good works, these good things that he wants us to do. See, the emphasis here is not on us doing the heavy lifting, right? Us trying to do this work, you know, drumming up the effort to get stuff done and feeling guilty if we didn't do enough. You know, no, 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 that's not the emphasis. The emphasis here is on the fact that God is already at work. God is already at work. He has already gone before us. He's already gone before us. It's like, it's like he already created this amazing gift and we get to put our names on it. Just like I did uh, last week with Raylene's gift to my niece. I put my name on it. But she did all the work. See, we get to put our name on it. We, we get to be a part of what God is already doing. We get to be a part of what God is already doing. Another way to say this is, think about it this way. Because you are there, God is going to do something. Because you are there, in that job, in that place, in that neighborhood, in that school, because you are there, God is going to do something through you. He's already at work. He just wants to be to partner with him. So that means that our primary job is to continually be asking the Holy Spirit, how can I partner with you in what you're doing here? How can I partner with you in what you want to do here? I mean, this truth is emphasized in a really cool way at the end of this verse, actually, the last verse, the last word in this, in this verse. Um, and it, I think it's sort of mistranslated in the, the translation that we're using uh, today. The, the NIV translates this um, as he says, prepared in advance for us to do. And I mean, technically you could do that, but you could say that. But the, this last word do, actually, it would be more accurately translated walk in. In fact, it literally means walk about. That's what it literally means, walk about. It's a word that speaks of this idea that as you're doing life, when you're at home, when you're at work, when you're at school, wherever you are, Wherever you walk, wherever you are, remember, you are God's handiwork. And he has made you the way you are so that you can be his unique instrument to do good and to care for people. He has placed you in that spot at that moment to partner with him in continuing his creative, redemptive, good work that he began in creation and that Jesus fully expressed in his ministry on earth. You are called to this. You are called to this. You are created for this. You were created for this. And God has actually prepared in advance these ways he wants you to partner with him. I mean, isn't this really, this is our journey of faith. Believing this. We may hear, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But believing this is a journey of faith. In fact, someone, a friend of mine recently, they said to me, Faith is believing that even the mundane aspects of my life have significance. Faith is believing that even the mundane aspects of my life have significance. 
See, that's the life God is inviting us into. He wants us to get this truth cemented into our core. You are God's handiwork. You are created in him to do good works, which God has already prepared in advance for you to walk in. That's who you are. That's who you are. The question is, will you and I choose to live in this reality? That's the question. Let's pray. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We know the reason we look at your word and have teaching from your word is is so that we'd respond to it. It's not just to gather some cool facts or information. We want to be changed by your word. And so I pray for that right now. Holy Spirit, you would come. And I want, I want to provide right now just a couple of opportunities to respond. No pressure. No pressure at all. But if you feel your heart being stirred and desiring these things, I invite you to step into what God has for you. So the first invitation I want to give is for salvation. Remember, we talked earlier in this passage, salvation, a relationship with God, is a gift. It is not something you work for. And there are some of us here, perhaps, who that is a total game changer, a total paradigm shift, because for too long, for so long, we have thought, oh, I got to be a good person. I got to try to, you know, clean my life up, and then maybe God will accept me. That's not how it works. Jesus already did the heavy lifting on the cross. You can receive God's salvation right now because it's a gift. You can give a gift to someone, you can hand it to them, but if they don't receive it, they don't receive it. So God is handing you a gift, but he invites you. You must receive it by faith. And so I want to, for those of you here who want to receive this gift, have your sins forgiven and enter into this partnership with God <laughs> to be his workmanship, I invite you, this is a prayer for salvation, I invite you just to pray along with me in the silence of your heart. So just pray with me. Dear God, I acknowledge that I am separated from you because of my sin. And there is nothing I can do to earn my way to you. But you came to me by sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross in my place. I choose to place my faith in you, Jesus. I bring you all my sin and my doubts and my fears and confusion and questions. And I leave all that with you. And in exchange, I receive your life, your forgiveness. Come live in me through the presence of your spirit. And change me from the inside out. God, I pray for anyone who prayed that prayer. Thank you, Lord, for salvation. It is a free gift given as a result of your grace. We're so grateful for it. I pray for these people. They would grow now in their relationship with you and their understanding of who they are in you. 
So, so for another response here, another response to the message, and I want to just ask, what is God saying to you in your situation in response to this message? Maybe you hate your job. Or maybe you just don't see how it fits with God. Maybe you can't find a job right now. Maybe you, you love your job, but you don't see any kingdom connection. Maybe you're struggling to sense your purpose in the situation God has you in right now. Wherever you're at, I want to invite us just to ask Jesus. Ask Jesus to show you what it looks like to more fully live in this reality of being his handiwork wherever he has placed you. So just ask him, Jesus, show me. Begin to show me what this looks like, what my response is to be. Lord, that's a big question. I acknowledge it's a big question, so we're not going to have the full thing answered here, but we want to begin asking, and we want to continue to ask. In whatever situation we find ourselves in, would you show us, continue to show us, how we can live this verse, how we can walk in this. We declare this to be true over our lives. We are your handiwork. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You have prepared in advance for us to do these things. Help us partner with you, God. Help us see purpose in whatever situation we find ourselves in. Help us see purpose in that, your purpose in that. And we pray that you would use us for your glory, God. We love you. Continue to speak to our hearts as we worship you, as we love on you, as we praise you in these next several minutes here just to give you the praise that you alone deserve. So why don't we stand if at some point you want to sit down or kneel, that's totally cool. But let's begin standing. Jesus, set us free to worship you. You are worthy of our praise. We love you, God.